answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not? Chasing history. Jake Larson. I needed to find this Shaka Khan song. I couldn't think of the name of it, and so I had to stop in the middle of the sidewalk. And two-time Nebraska walk-on trial participant Colton Stone. <laughs> I'm putting a 12-6 that only has a 12 right at the batter's head. <laughs> yes, it is. Two, do I, or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Good morning, beautiful people. 10 a.m. on a Friday means it's Chasing History time. Chasing History on 90.3 KRNU Lincoln. Colton Stone alongside Jake Larson. And Jake, it's another beautiful, finally fall-feeling day. Uh, actually kind of chilly this morning. Super glad for that. Uh, how are you? Doing pretty good. You know, if you could use one beverage to describe this weather, which one would it be? One be- Oh. What would you... What would you pick? Brisk. <laughs> now I'm fired. And with that, yeah, no. Oh, man. Was not ready for Dad a, jokes for days. Wasn't ready for a dad joke this early in the morning. I was, I'm not ready for really anything right now. Uh, other than that, how, you know, how you doing? You good? Yeah, you know, just. Sports world keeps getting crazy. Just having my, keeping up my love-hate relationship with baseball. <laughs> I, that's what makes it great. Um, more more, more say, hate than love. Nothing. Right? I love September. I love football season. You know why? Because that means baseball is getting better. <laughs> September baseball is so great. I lo- absolutely love the pennant chase. No, uh, not a reference to the website that we both use to lose our in fantasy baseball. But, um, dude, yeah, there's nothing like the pennant chase trying to figure out who's going to be uh, – finishing in the playoffs there's so much drama i love baseball in the middle of summer because it's just you go to a game and it's kind of relaxed you just Mm -hmm. kind of chill out but and then that's that's nice but you know but then it really changes once you're at a baseball game in three hours people are just screaming just for a guy to be able to hit make contact (laughs) and it's just and nothing and it makes it you know a a five-hit total, two-nothing game, so exciting, just the crowd alone. I mean, think about think about like the NL West right now. If you're a Rockies, Dodgers, or Diamondbacks fan, the, the, I think the Diamondbacks are out. Maybe it is because they're six. They're six games out. They're they're okay. done for. Well, at one point, at one point, it was like I one mean, game separated. It was all, all ready to just break loose. Mm-hmm. So, no, you're right. I I mean, but I mean, fall baseball is just it gets better. But I mean, you no, you. I mean, you're definitely right because you and the teams that have been inept the entire year all of a start all of a sudden start playing real baseball. Yeah, exactly. But then you have so you like let's look at the central. You got Chicago, you got Milwaukee and St. Louis. Um, Milwaukee's two and a half games behind. Colorado's two and a half games behind the Dodgers. And then not only that, but you've got the wild card race, mm-hmm. and it's a three. It's a three way race. Milwaukee's pretty much got their spot locked up but Colorado and St. Louis are neck and neck right now for that final spot now personally I'm not a huge fan of the one game playoff yeah. thing that they do now because I mean of course you have to do it if there's a tie I, I like the, the one game playoff if there's a tie because I'd rather you know to be decided by who can beat each other than like a coin toss or Pythagorean record or right. some other stuff. But some of these teams are just so undeserving of making it into that final game, and 
and, and it's just it's just really annoying because then sometimes they'll pull one out but but like in a year like right now though you'll have you know like in the al you have two very deserving teams that really one of them has to go but you've got the oakland a's who are mm-hmm. having a great season yep the new york yankees are the new york yankees and so this is one of the few times where i'm like all right glad we have the wild card game mm-hmm. because these these it's it sucks that one of the, one team has to go but at least they get one shot of you know they're kind of in the playoffs this well, year and you look at how close that al wild card has been like all year at any given point it was just a couple games between the a's the yankees um <laughs> the entire al east that's not named the orioles and then the mariners and it was all just really close and like you said, yeah, eventually someone has to go. You can't you can't all make it. That's the whole point of the playoff. What would be your solution to because I've seen people that have said we should get rid of the the, the one off game, but the reason I like it other than the the reason it's bad is because if you use your ace pitcher like you're you know, you're behind the eight ball when it comes to the next mm-hmm. uh series. But the reason I like it is because baseball is such a day-to-day sport i mean there's a reason they play 162 times it's because at any given day you know your pitcher might just be off your hitters might be in a slump you like you just don't know everything is so variable so the reason i like it is because it's it's a variable a variable sport so playing a a one-off game to get to the next is is great but it's almost like at that point why not just play like a short three-game series like earlier before the playoff starts my my i've always I don't really know how I feel about it anymore. I think the eight-team playoff is fine. But I always used to think of doing a a 16-team playoff like they do in other sports that starts off uh, with a three-game uh, three series. I don't know if I really like that idea now, but I think how it should be done is if the teams are less than two games apart at the end of the season – or um, both wild card teams are better than a division winner, then I think they should do a one game playoff because the w- one of the years, and I know I'm, I, it sounds like I'm going to be saying this just because I'm a Cubs fan, but in 2015 the Cubs were in the one game playoff, mm-hmm. and usually yeah, I'm like I don't know how about this, but also that same year. That was the only year that the one division had the top three teams in baseball. And so, in other words, any other year, the third best team in baseball, a 97-win Chicago Cubs squad, would not have been in the playoffs. And they ended up going to the NLCS very deservingly, I should say. So it's just kind of like, do they really – should they really not make the playoffs solely based on – what division they went into because like i said they would have won any other division yeah well and that's that's like we we see the issue with the nfl too where oh the nfc west winner seven and nine but they get the four seed i mean they still have to play the first weekend but they get to play at home so the the tough part becomes and then so then like some 12 and 4 wild card team is going to have to play on the road right probably could lose just because they're on the road they're on the road you know they're probably going to be playing in seattle or you know or san francisco and they may be coming from the east coast well like i was thinking just seattle just because that's such a tough place to play because it's so ridiculously loud but and, and the other thing is like then do you do you take those teams and reseed them based on their 
based on their record? Do you take um, like, yeah, that you won the division, but you still have to play in the one-off game because your record is worse than a wild card team? That's that's where the line becomes kind of hazy, and I, I think, I mean, 16 teams might be too much, but there's a point where they could maybe expand it a little more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because even that was a controversy when they were like, oh, we're going to make it five on each side. I mean, people just kind of threw their hands up. It's like, well, why? I mean, it's almost making it pointless. Well, I remember my dad talking to me about, and my, he, my, uh, my dad's, uh, of course, he's in support of the current MLB system mm-hmm. in playoffs, or at least four aside. But he was talking about how there was huge controversy and people were totally against the idea of uh, when they expanded it to three divisions with a wild card instead of the winners of the two divisions playing in the pennant. Because people, the thing, the idea at the time was the idea of a pennant chase, um, a true pennant chase. Um, I remember, I think it was like Atlanta and Pittsburgh in 92, which was like the second to last season that they still did the four team playoff. And it was. Atlanta finished like 103 and you know 59, and mm-hmm. Pittsburgh finished 102 and 60, and that's like you know that's an exciting finish. But at the same time, a team of 102 wins isn't. Uh, you know, my dad's logic and my logic on it as well is, a team of 102 wins is not going to is not going to be in the playoffs. That sounds a little ridiculous. While probably on the other side, um, on the other division in that same league, the winner could be like. 85 and 77 mm-hmm. yet some team that's 102 wins isn't going to make the playoffs is you know by the idea of the playoff system is um less deserving of making it yeah it's a little ridiculous I, it's it's you know and you can say this about the college playoffs you can say it's about march madness you can say this but you can you can just go down the line and and <laughs> count through them there will always be a controversy for how many teams there should be what the criteria should be um how can we reformat it i mean the one thing i've always said for uh men's ba- like the ncaa tournament i guess men's and women's basketball is uh and, and it sounds extremely ludicrous because what's the point of getting a one seed if uh, you're not going to get to like have the easiest road to the Final Four? But I think they should just take all 64 teams and like do you know how they do in soccer? Where it's like okay, well these will be this pool, so we'll put them in this jar, and these will be this pool. So I think they should just draw names. I think they should just pick out like two ping pong balls and like oh this is the first round matchup. And um, David Stern will pick it and he'll freeze his team. <laughs> and then and f- feel around for the one that's frozen. And then, <laughs> there you go, just like he did with the New York Knicks for Patrick Ewing. Still yeah. couldn't win a na- uh, still couldn't win an NBA championship. Well, I mean the Knicks couldn't win a national championship either. But I I said NBA, <laughs> sir. <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know. I've always thought that'd be like an interesting way to uh, mix it up. But then people would you know why is North Carolina playing Duke in the first round? It's like well. Too bad. That's too bad. Yeah. You better win. I don't know. That's just me. So, uh, Jake, do you have any history today? Um, not really uh, past history, but I do have someone that made history as of recently. Um, let me bring up the article here. 
Uh, also, if we want to bring back baseball beatdowns of the week, um, the Oakland A's, I think they won 21-3 to yesterday. Yes, I did see that. Um, and also, most runs they've scored since 2000, I think. Another one was yesterday the Toronto Blue Jays tied their record of largest ninth inning comeback where they scored seven runs to come down from being down six. So, come on. There you go. All right. Give me just a second. Talk to the people <laughs> about uh, something interesting. Talk, uh, well, I can talk to them about the uh, baseball little nugget that you sent to me, which was, I, I hope I get his name right, Francisco Garcia. Right? Garcia, yep. Francisco Garcia was the first player to catch, pitch, and homer in an MLB game. Now, who does Garcia play for? Um, Does he play. He played for the Angels. That is garbage. Um, <laughs> Don't slander the internet. Uh, Be grateful. Sorry. I, I think Garcia plays. The, Garcia plays the, for the Angels. I love the information super highway. Uh, yeah, he plays for the Angels. Positions: catcher and pitcher. <laughs> You don't see that a whole lot. So anyway, we had a little, a little bit of little piece of history. Um, an American woman. Um, let me look for her name because it totally disappeared. Of course, when I needed yeah, it. Yeah, why wouldn't it, right? Um. Jeez. Okay, Denise Mueller Kronek. Um, smashed a record held by men for over a hundred years by pedaling on a bike at 184 mile per hour okay now i'm like i'm curious about how this happened so what how it was done was she was pulled by a race car and then she continued to ride the bike was this like a a video online there's a video online detailing how it happened and um is she okay because that yes. sounds dangerous. It, it, it absolutely is uh, dangerous. There's no question about it. Um, by the way, she is also a CEO of a home security firm. What? That's why she's maybe learning to bike fast, so she can get to the houses and light. <laughs> and she'd probably fight them and beat these guys. I mean, I'm just, what was that? Okay, 184 Mueller- miles. Now, think about this. Most people have not ever driven in a car at 100 184 let alone more than probably like 110 yeah i was kind of wondering what have you done at 185 miles per hour before played a nascar video game okay <laughs> uh i i don't to be honest with you uh i think the fastest i've ever gone in a car is like 105 Jeez. legally uh okay <laughs> me it was honestly 80 for me Really? Are you one of those guys that, like, is kind of safe on the road? Yeah. <laughs> okay. One of those guys? I'm just, yeah, I'm happen to be one of, <laughs> I'm one of those kinds. But that's, no, that's for me, the honestly, the two I can think of was um, flying in a plane. <laughs> honestly, yeah, okay. did that more 180 miles per hour? At least, then, I hope. And then one time I saw my ex-girlfriend on campus. <laughs> and I was 184 miles per hour in the opposite yeah, the direction. Other way. <laughs> So those are the only two times I can think of. Oh, man. That was slanderous. That's good. That's good. No, that's fine. Yeah, it's okay. I didn't say your name or anything. Uh, I just wanted to make this one other point about the wild card. You're talking about a team having a better record. Um, Cleveland, in this sense, would still make the playoff, but Oakland has has like a seven, uh, six and a half games 
better than them. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the the wild card, yeah. if you include that's, Cleveland, that's, they're behind. This is a situation where it's like, okay, that's fine. Now in the National the East is going to get crazy, though. You think so? I, I mean, well, a game and a half. There's not a lot of games left, but the, the NL. Well, it's six and a half games. I'm not sure. That's, that's the NL. I mean, the NL Colorado's only. One oh, you and mean a half. oh the West? I mean the wild card. Oh, the wild card. You said NL East is what I heard. Oh, I meant the wild card. Yeah, wild card. Um, no, yeah, absolutely because uh, the I mean, Phillies the, are going to go on a tear. I and mean, just. Uh, Milwaukee's got the spot. They've got the top spot. That's locked down. But Colorado yeah. and St. Louis are neck and neck right now. But the thing is, is what I'm going back to, is Milwaukee's got the first spot locked up. St. Louis and Colorado are worse than any other division winning team in baseball. Mm-hmm. No. I, that's a situation where you don't – I not in favor of the one game playoff now here's here's the thing now what if the two teams for the last spot are tied did they then have to play a one game playoff to play into the one game playoff and that's another situation where it's <laughs> like why do we need that you need it then would it just be not a coin toss but it would be oh so-and-so had more you know runs against i think it's i think it's the um the trey trey parker and matt stone uh, movie basketball in which what happens is that they have to have uh, sack races on consecutive Sundays in order to determine who is the wild card winner. <laughs> I think that's how that's determined. Oh, hey, I mean, I'd I'd tune in, I'd watch. Oh, I'd watch it. You want to see? We want to see that one. Uh, I can't think of his name right now, but that one baseball player that there's that video of him doing a hundred fifty pound bench press with just one arm. Let me look who it was. I don't remember who that is. Luke Voigt. Luke Voigt is who it was. Um, He's now at the Yankees. Um, But, yeah, Luke Voigt, there was video of him, and he was was doing a bench press with one arm, and it was like 150 pounds or something like that. (laughs) And so, yeah, I'd I'd see him in a sack race. He'd probably rip right through the bag on the first jump, though. Yeah, Luke Voigt's no Wally Bunker, you know. Jake, uh, I think there's a football game tomorrow, and that said football game holds a lot of uh, okay, history. Okay, Are you okay? okay? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Just you waiting to get over the Wally Bunker reference here? Oh, God. Could have said Mike Vernon, Turnin, Tiernan. I, I mean, what about me, Fred though, Goldsmith? I'm more. I don't know. I'm kind of an Enos Cable kind of guy. Yeah, I was thinking Enos Cable too. Yeah, I'm sure you were. <laughs> I mean, we're looking at the same twelve players, so it's really I, I, annoying. I wish it was random for every like every home page. Yeah, I know. Like, uh, oh, you remember Jock Jones? Who who could forget? Oh, he was a he was a he was my favorite Cubs player on one of the worst Cubs teams I've ever seen. What about Goose Gosselin? Um, I kept kept thinking of a Goose uh, Gossage, but this guy came a little bit earlier. He kind of died, I think, before Goose Gossage. Kind of died. I think. I don't think you can kind of die. Um, have you heard of the Washington Nationals? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's true. Actually, Uh, yeah, Fred Goldsmith. I can't. Is that even a photo? Is I think it's a, just a bunch of pixelation. Just that's what that's together. what it looks like when you don't know how to use a copy machine <laughs> and you have it on the wrong side. <laughs> it's just like it's uh, 
It's just the reflection that yeah, happened to Fred's, come through. Yeah, Fred's Goldsmith's photo. It's just all-time baseball champion. It's like when you draw. It looks like when you draw with a white crayon. It's not the best looking it photo. Could be better. It, I've seen better, higher quality before. Oh man. But like I was saying, Jake. Oh, you were saying something? Yeah, there's a football game tomorrow. You oh, might, yeah. You might know. Um, Happens to hold uh, a little bit of history. Also, they haven't played each other in like six years, so or five years, something like that. But Nebraska goes to the big house for the first time since, I want to say, 2012. Oh, I thought you were talking about Morgan State versus North Carolina a <laughs> and um, but yeah, uh, Nebraska. Yeah, I think their, their last game, I believe, was 2013. I think the last time yes, they played was 2013, and that was a good game because that was like one of the few times Bo Pelini, in the later half of his career, actually taught the Nebraska that you, when you tackle, you wrap up the ball carrier <laughs> instead of just go with shoulder first and then change the defensive back coverage every other play. <laughs> it's the peso defense, okay? No. Okay, but. Uh, there, uh, you know, we've been talking about controversy. There is a big controversy that looms around uh, Michigan and Nebraska, the history of those two teams playing, and most notably, or only Gerald notably, Ford should have played for Nebraska. Well, yeah, that's one of them. That's that's second. It's a very close second. Uh, Nineteen ninety-seven, of course, they they split national mm-hmm. titles. You can say whatever you want about who should have won it. I mean, that's what we're about to do, but. I think one of the um, most played out games in NCAA football video game history yep. is the 97 Michigan team yep. versus 97 Nebraska. And that's what's really annoying is like, so the con- for, those of those, for those of you who are not familiar listening to our show, because I think one thing that we want to do is introduce people to some of these stories and not expect you to just be able to jump right in. Um, nowadays, there's a college football playoff. The top four teams play in a tournament and the winner of this tournament is the champion of college football a few years before uh for the past 20 years um as of this year they had done yeah starting 20 years ago they did something for a while where they just took the top two college teams and had them face against each other but there was a lot of controversy because sometimes there was a third ranked team that should have made it or was tied and so that caused a lot of problems. But before, it was even worse. They tried something called the Bow Coalition, in which they did a similar idea where they did everything in their power to get the top one and two teams to play each other mm-hmm. for a designated national championship. Though it, the champion was still decided as who was ranked number one. Right. By the AP and the coaches. Yes. And so the the two major polls, Michigan, however, and Michigan, a member of the Big Ten, the Big Big Ten, excuse me, the Big Ten and the Pac-10 were the two teams that did not sign on to the Bowl Coalition because Mm -hmm. they wanted to keep the annual Pac-10 versus Big Ten matchup of the Rose Bowl. Which has essentially gone away now because of the playoff. Which, yeah, essentially doesn't exist anymore. So... What was the controversy that was caused was Michigan was number one at the time. Nebraska was a very close number two who played the number three team in the designated. So you had a championship without the number one team. 
uh, in the country just because they essentially because they refused to play it. Right. And Nebraska, the number two team, ends up handily defeating uh, number three ranked Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, and then once gross. that happened, yeah, and once that happened, it's like, well, maybe Nebraska is the number one team. In fact, the coaches poll thought Nebraska is the number one team. Mm-hmm. And so you had uh, the AP the AP number one in Michigan and an AP number one in Nebraska. So two teams finished the 1997 college football season as national ta- champions, and that was the last time there's really been a true – tie for a championship and so we're here to say nebraska is the true winner and not just because we go here but we got some stats and some history to back you up on this well and you gotta think too from that time now from that time to now there haven't been a whole lot of you know questionable decisions as to who was playing for a chance to win the national championship well because you could say the year that tcu and baylor you could say um the year that alabama played lsu you could say you know the fact that um nebraska even played miami in 2001 or 2002 whatever yeah nebraska shouldn't have been in that you know there's there's you can go down the line and there's always a little bit where oh well this could have gone this way and this could have gone that way it's the fact that these two didn't even have a chance to play each other is the, is the reason that there's such a debate as to who who would have won this game because there's not an I mean there's enough on paper to say who could have won but there's not you know enough enough tangible evidence where I say well if we put these two on the field here's you know this is what's going to happen because they actually played well they didn't actually play and so that's why you know some of the other controversies the TCU Baylor thing was because they couldn't justify leaving one of them out, so why not leave both of them out? Mm-hmm. You know, they couldn't justify, for some reason, every year Clemson's just going to play Alabama in the playoff. I'm going to hate it every year, but I will inevitably watch, I guess. Um, but, it, yeah, like you said, there has not been a true, like, true tie or, like, I'd say life-altering. That's not the right like phrase, but life-altering controversy in a college football final. It is. I mean, in the life of a program, it really did change. Um, just the – I hate this. Just kidding. It's my favorite part of the show. That really created some sort of rivalry because, honestly, I felt like a lot of Nebraska – a big part of Nebraska's motivation – was to be able to play Michigan every year mm-hmm. and start a rivalry that way. Well, and I think that's kind of what they're trying to do now is they're doing this, um, I say new crossover thing, but they're doing the almost a deal with the crossover games in, in the Big Ten where, um, you know, you almost get paired up with one team for like four or five years so in the, or more, I don't remember, but in the next like eight years, Nebraska plays Michigan six times. Well, that's coming off the fact that just, like, there's only been one year, I think, that they haven't played Ohio State since they've joined the Big Ten. And, like, I get that if you want to win the Big Ten, you've got to, you know, beat the best of the Big Ten. But if you want to win the Big Ten or at least play for the title, maybe avoid playing Ohio State and Penn State as often as possible. And Wisconsin. Well, (laughs) that one is, you can't uh, can't really avoid that one if you're Nebraska. But if you're the other side, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. But 
Go ahead. But okay. also, so the arguments, there are some good arguments for why Michigan. We're going to pre- present both sides of this as well as we can. And part of it deals with common opponents. Michigan played two Big 12 teams that season. Okay. Michigan played Colorado uh, at home, and they won 27-3. to They also played Baylor, won 38-3. Nebraska played Colorado and only won by three points. Yeah, but that's a rivalry game. Well, rivalry game. And also the other thing, too, is Nebraska played Colorado on the road, mm-hmm. which, you know, helps Colorado's case. But that's one of them. And then the other one is Nebraska. And, I mean, but this is pretty much close. Nebraska played on the road at Baylor, won 49-21, like, yeah. Almost a point difference. If Nebraska played them at home, they would have beaten them by more uh, than Michigan did. I'll say that. Um, and another thing, though, is if Nebraska had a passing offense at the time, you definitely could have argued that Michigan mm-hmm. would have beat them. Michigan had one of the greatest uh, passing defenses yep. in college football one history. One of the best secondaries ever, yeah. And it was led by Charles Woodson, the only – defensive player he was really you know essentially a defensive player yeah he did some kick returns he did some you know extra wide receiver stuff here's the thing uh, just as a quick side note with that is there will never be in in my heart there will never be a defensive a true defensive player that wins because you have to do something more I feel like to get it like a, a defensive lineman's not going to win the Heisman I just I don't I want I thought Sue deserved it but after they didn't vote for Sue I, I couldn't and the thing is is part of the reason is that the Heisman tr- uh, trophy is seen as such a flashy uh, like the flashiest player yeah. for award or the best quarterback on the best team mm-hmm. basically and, now but and so the problem with that is that defensive players can't really be flashy Nadam Kong Su can't. Especially linemen. Exactly. And Nadam Kong Su, his whole thing is just picking up players, throwing them. That's yeah. not that flashy. It's pretty awesome, that was, though. <laughs> um, let me bring up another 1991 Heisman voting. You had Steve um, Emptman, who finished fourth, mm-hmm. but he was a, def- he was a lineman. Uh, for Washington, and let me look. They don't. Okay, that's that's really helpful. They don't have any of his stats. Good, except for he had an interception for three yards. But you know, you really don't do that when you're a defensive lineman. But anyways, they're saying that the only reason that he didn't win, and that Desmond Howard won, is because Desmond Howard did the Heisman Trophy pose, the ultimate Heisman moment. <laughs> it's the only reason between the two. Yeah, I could see I could see the committee using that as a reason. And you know, they kind of did. They probably did. Well, okay. So, um you were talking about Nebraska's schedule. And as you go through it, uh, they beat number 2 Washington on the road. Mm-hmm. They beat number 17 Kansas State by 30. Um and then I know 90 the late 90s were kind of a uh not a bad time for Oklahoma, but not really Great. Not really a great time. But 69 um, to 7 is. Yeah, I, it's. When you go from being one of the greatest, like, college football, like, rivalries between, like, two powerhouses and 
you beat them by 62 points. I mean, that's notable. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. It at least jumps it doesn't matter. Out. It doesn't matter what year they are. Unless they've, you know, you're like Nebraska and you've been like mediocre for 20 years now. And then, but but then, I, you know, the crowning moment before they played Tennessee is the fact they played number 14 Texas A&M. And it's like, oh, you know, they're, you're playing the best team of the Big 12 South and you beat them 54 to 15. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I did the math. It's at a neutral site in their home state. Yep. I did the math. Uh, Michigan was a their point differential in their favor was 208. Nebraska's point differential was 393. Jeez. And I know that they, you know, some of the teams in the Big 12 may not have been, you know, up to par with the Big 10, but the Big 10, I feel like, has always, it has always been a low scoring like conference, mm-hmm. but, you know, Michigan wasn't blowing teams out they did only give up 114 points on defense which is ridiculous but that was because people were passing against them and and nebraska only gave up 100 more points but (laughs) they also scored like 300 more so there's that and so then yeah and not only that but i mean the big thing too nebraska beats number three tennessee in sec country 42 to 17 unbelievable and I mean, that was... The only thing that would have been better is if they beat Miami in the Orange Bowl. Which, I mean... Which, come on. It's not going to happen. But (laughs) Nebraska... The big thing, too, is that Nebraska... Nebraska's playing style on defense lines up, is able to stop Michigan. Michigan's defense cannot stop Nebraska. Exactly. And so that's when you have... um, Because running the option, you you take out Charles Woodson... He wasn't someone who's going to wrap you up. He's just going to be able to – he's just going to play inside your shirt. And so if you take out your wide receiver – like, oh, Bobby Newcomb's taken out of the offense? Okay. Is that really going to hurt him that much? I mean, look look at this. You know, you've got – you look at their passing and, like, yeah, Scott Frost, he threw five touchdowns and four interceptions, and he only threw 159 passes. Mm-hmm. But then, you know <laughs> – You've got Amon Green who ran for 270 yeah, or 278 times for 1,877 yards and 22 touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You then have Scott Frost who ran 176 times for 1,095 yards and 19 touchdowns. You've got Joel McAvega who is a fullback. Yeah. Who ran 105 times for 685 yards and nine touchdowns? One of I the mean, greatest ru- the full fullbacks in Nebraska history. Carl Buckhalter only touched the ball 54 times. He had six touchdowns. I mean, like, you just go down the – there's – But to be fair, Corell uh, Buckhalter was more of a, uh, a goal line well, and that's, running back. But, and I mean, still, that's, okay. that's still that's still really good. I mean, he only, had three, he only had 311 yards, but on 54 carries, you know, about six yards a carry, that's – I mean, that's serviceable. That's yeah, he's kind of like Amani Cross, but a lot better. <laughs> but, like, good enough to you play. You keep that name out of your mouth. <laughs> but, you know, good enough to play for, like – you know, ten years in the NFL. Well, I, I, I don't even I don't even know what to say to you. Shevin Wiggins. Let's just put that one out there. So, really, the only thing, you know, the only knock against Nebraska that year is the Missouri game, because they're number one when they go to Columbia, and then they get pushed to three. I mean, I'm also not a huge fan of only beating Colorado by three. But, what do I know? But, 90s Colorado wasn't... I mean, weren't they... 
No, they were good, but that, when they good. played that game, they were unranked. That's true. I remember when we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, how many times, like, the teams were ranked, or, like, how many times someone was ranked <laughs> when they played. And I feel like if, if Colorado was ranked, Nebraska was definitely ranked. If Nebraska was ranked, it didn't mean Colorado was ranked. Yeah. But, um, so, in other words, Nebraska was always ranked. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And until, uh, you know, later in... Um, Later in the Big Twelve, like once yeah, once two thousand yeah. once two thousand two happened, Nebraska stopped being ranked. But you know, I, Brian Greasy was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the thing of was Brian Greasy, his shoes were you know concrete, or <laughs> 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 just you know concrete blocks. There was no, he could not move at all. Uh, Fifty so one have, carries for seven yards and two touchdowns. And so when you have. Um, Wistrom, Jason Peter, oh my God. Mike Rucker going after <laughs> Brian Greasy. And that's not even talking about the secondary. Yeah, and I mean? then you've like got, yeah, and you've got those guys that are gonna be playing in their shirt. Are you kidding me? It's game over for Michigan. I just like, and like you said, we're not trying to look at this as like, well, we just think Nebraska would have won because that's what we've grown up and been told. Like that's in Michigan. In Michigan plays a passing team in Washington State and you know Michigan has the greatest pass defense right and they and it's a less than a one touchdown game and Nebraska played Tennessee who I think had a pretty good quarterback by the name of Peyton Manning uh, I've heard of and, him somewhere. I don't remember what he did, but... Uh, uh, only maybe became the greatest quarterback <laughs> in NFL history. Only holds, like, every passing record <laughs> at the moment. If you want to tell... Okay. Is Tom Brady the better quarterback? Mm. No, he's not. All right. That was a fun discussion. Um, <laughs> Depends on your qualifiers, I guess. But I um, I wouldn't say so. Uh, Tom Brady's better at having Bill Belichick as his coach. That's, well, that's true. He's better at having the TB12 program. He's better at kissing his son on the lips. <laughs> yeah, I figured we'd get there eventually. <laughs> I didn't know how many times it would take. Oh, uh, man. Well, okay. And then the other thing with Michigan, and, I mean, they did play more ranked teams. I'll give them that. They, oh, did, they yeah. did play more ranked teams. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it, I know you said there's that knock on Colorado, and Michigan did beat them, but they also beat them the first game of the year, and Colorado was ranked at the time. So, I mean, Colorado at some point was getting a little bit of praise, so they weren't like a bad football team. But you get I, – I think where the difference becomes is, yeah, you struggle with Colorado a little bit there at the end of the season, but then you blow the doors off of the Aggies, and then you just stomp the volunteers. And I just – like, I don't – I don't see how you can then look back and go, okay, but, you know, last game of the regular season, you know, that was a close one. A win's a win. I, that's the thing I hate is when they talk about, you know, good good losses or bad wins or whatever it is. If that's you the, win, you won. If you lost, you lost. That is the To me, that's the worst part about college sports is in professional sports, a win's a win. Everyone plays the exact same numbers games. They play the and if you all lose, the same you teams. And if you so if so yeah. everyone has the same schedule essentially. And if you win, you win. You lose, you lose. College football, you have to decide. Oh, is this team better than this team because they played this team beat them by this much? Uh, and but they played this team when they were ranked. It becomes all were they better then. And it, you know, and it's all subjective. Also, well, and the and if you want to add modern logic to this, 
Oh, well, Nebraska played in a, uh, a conference championship game. Michigan didn't play in a conference championship game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, yeah, I you can it. you can make that argument too, but they, they won more games. You know what's you know it's crazy. So yeah, which I mean it wasn't uncommon at the time, but Michigan didn't or uh, the Big Ten didn't have a conference championship. They also game. only had eleven teams, I think, still at the time. Mm-hmm. But they also, I think that was the first year that they had a college basketball conference tournament really yeah they, they waited that long to start that well in um you know you see that a lot with smaller programs uh, or smaller conferences but that not it really doesn't really anymore. S- not no, anymore, not anymore. They, everyone they, they, no. has one now because i think the last one to do it was like the ivy league yeah they just where they're like this year. uh yeah last year or this year and they were like um you're the best and you're the second best to just play and the winner gets to be the conference champion mm-hmm. basically um but yeah i was uh you know I, I get the whole conference championship thing was based on whether you had enough teams to do it and only a couple conferences did but my we've now gotten so ingrained to that in today's football that the big 12 who only have only has 10 teams and then on top of that, they play a round-robin schedule. And then they're like, okay, yeah, let's play one more. And it's like, okay, for example, last year, wasn't it Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, I think? It's like, okay, so then Bedlam becomes pointless almost because even if Oklahoma wins or Oklahoma State wins, then you play again, and it could the opposite could happen. And it's – I. I don't know. That's also, a another thing that's is a different we were talking rant, about <laughs> the um, the past rush Nebraska had that was just devastating. Yeah. Also, um, you brought up the secondary uh, kind of quickly, but on that team, Nebraska had they had um, twelve interceptions mm-hmm. that year. Um, five guys had two interceptions, and three of those guys went on to the NFL. And so, from what I can tell, uh, give, with my given statistics, three of the four guys on that team um, would be s- regular starters in the NFL. You had Mike Brown as uh, free safety, then you had Ralph Brown and Double Eric. Deuce. Ralph Brown and uh, Eric Warfield were the corners mm-hmm. on that team. And uh, and we talked about. I mean, I mean, the they, defensive line. The defensive line was one of the greatest. In the I feel history. like. And I say it, I feel like, because I know as soon as we start listing them, the names will come back to me. I feel like their linebackers were incredible, too. Well, it's time to look it up somewhere else that doesn't, you know, is competent. Um, <laughs> or I could just click the roster, I suppose. Well, I mean, we, that's true, but I don't know if they... Jay Foreman, Octavius oh. McFarlane, Brian Jay Shaw, Foreman. Yep. Carlos Polk, Tony Ortiz. Uh, okay, Eric yeah. Johnson, there's all your linebackers. So. I think it's only showing me the guys that started. Aaron Taylor on yeah. the offensive line. Yeah, Carlos Polk, but I think he that, he was a, oh he's a freshman, so he yeah. didn't play as much. Uh, Chris Kelsey then. on the defensive line. Oh yeah, I Jason forget. Peter, Grant Wistrom, Mike Rucker, freshman Kyle Vandenbosch, Steve Warren. Oh, he, did, yeah, I, like did I, I say this play. to you yesterday? I may have said it to someone else. I hate when you look up Kyle Vandenbosch, but. Because of how long his last name is, it'll just say Kyle Bosch. I'm like, that's not right. That's not who he is. It's like in all the Madden games where it was Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Madden 05, it has this as Roethlisberger. <laughs> it's like they have, there's no ER. So, 
Michigan's just lucky they didn't get Monte Cristo just unleashed on them. <laughs> oh, <sighs> um, thought I had to get that in there. Bobby Newcomb also was uh, had a 226 QBR because um, he threw one pass, completed one pass, uh, 15 yards. You want to hear something great? Yeah, let's lay it on me. Uh, my dad just texted me. Yeah, what's Keith got to say? He says that. Shout he out to Keith. He said he hasn't heard Steve Eppman's name in years. <laughs> and I think, um, no, I don't think he, uh, Nebraska played. Oh, yeah, they did. They played um, 90, well, 91 Huskies were one of the greatest football college yeah. football programs of all time. Um, Nebraska, all right, my, my dad was at that game. In 1991, they played Nebraska in Lincoln that year. Right. And um, and Nebraska was, as you would have guessed, their closest game all year. But I mean, it was it still wasn't. It was still like a, you know, like a 10 point game. Right. Um, yeah, that Washington team from '91 was really, really good. And I think the tough part is, you know, people want to compare. You know, was 97 Nebraska better than 97 Michigan? Was 97 Nebraska better than 2001 Miami? Were they better than... Yes. Um, you know, were they better than 1970 Nebraska? Were they better than... And you can just go down. I mean, you can look at all the best teams of, like, Nebraska's history, and you just, like, wonder, how did these guys not win? How did Tom Osborne not win, like, 12 national titles? Well, because that's the thing is my oh, my favorite statistic about Tom Osborne. All of his unclaimed, the, all those 80s titles. Yeah, like those five in a row that yeah. were unclaimed. Because their offense was so dominant at that time, it's like people, like, they could go nine and three, but with that, but they people would look at that offense and be like, that's that, a that's a, team. That's a post, that offense alone should just get something. <laughs> right. And... My favorite statistic about Tom Osborne is during his coaching career, only once did Nebraska finish the season outside the AP top 15. Jeez. Like, that was like when my dad will tell me stories about Nebraska. He'll be like, ah, yeah, they weren't that good. I mean, he always has to add relatively yeah. to the time. He's like, yeah, Nebraska wasn't that good. And then I go in, like, online oh, yeah. and look at their rankings, and they finished, like, sixth or, like, ninth or something. If they were really bad, they no, would have they been, like, third. Yeah, one year they would be, like, really bad. They'd finish, like, 12th. Yeah, they'd be 11th in the country. Well, that's, that's garbage. Yeah, apparently. Well, and the thing, too, is, like I said, you know, we've talked about unclaimed national titles before and how, how many times teams could have won one. Um, and, and Nebraska especially because you almost you almost got five straight in the 90s. Um, there's a couple that were left behind in the 80s because of uh, judgment calls, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I people just want to compare era to era, and it happens in every sport, and you kind of just have to roll with it. It's... The, it's you know, you have to embrace debate for it. Um, I mean, there's there's <laughs> there's a reason that we're even here talking about it right now. There's, exactly. You know, but if if you had to go based off the matchup and based off the stats and strictly off of paper, there's not a chance Michigan beats Nebraska. There's just not. 1997 Michigan could not beat Nebraska. No, Nebraska has too much of an offensive attack on the ground. Just everything, I would say, you know, Michigan would beat any other team that year handedly. 
it's just a matter of matchups. It's just a matter. It's just a matter of matchups. Nebraska just does everything. Everything that Nebraska did so well that year is Michigan's weakness. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking at like the it, final. They, they take out everything that makes number. Uh, it takes that makes Michigan's team so good that year. They take out that pass defense. They take out that. Um, they take out that air assault by. Uh, Brian Greasy is. I mean, what else is there? I mean, what else is there more to say? People have been talking about this for, for 21 years, and I, you know, everyone, you know, I, I understand why everyone in Michigan would, you know, say that's because they're from Michigan. But you just, if you really look at it, I just, I can't get why someone would really think Michigan beats, Michigan beats Nebraska. I. I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, I, I should really we don't. should we get uh, unjustifiably angry about something else that happened twenty years ago? Yeah. All right, let's do it. So last we should, week, not unjustified. Well, maybe I guess. I mean, a little, <laughs> a little justified. Um, so last week I went on a big rant uh, for all zero of you that we that in, tuned in last that week. That we intentionally cut short. I intentionally cut short. Yeah, my therapist cut short. <laughs> um, so anyway. People, and this is like, you know, just his, historically, the MP, MVP votings, um, not the best, not always deciding really who is the best. It's more of just who is the flavor of the season. Um, but it was notoriously bad from what I've looked at in the steroid era mm-hmm. and really just in the steroid era. Um, one one example that I wanted to give today right now right off the bat was that I was going to mention last week 99 was, uh, 2000 okay what what were you going to see no I'm just making oh, sure making I get sure. to the right list so Jeff Kent yep NL MVP that year yet he doesn't even lead his own team in wins above replacement <laughs> <laughs> that goes to Barry Bonds the guy behind him because yeah. Barry Bonds is Barry Bonds is Barry Bonds <laughs> But I wanted to figure out, you know, oh maybe maybe I shouldn't just limit this to the steroid era. If you really look at the numbers in any era, they can be just as bad. So we're going to do this live. We're going to look at Lonnie Smith in 1989. Oh, the cocaine era. <laughs> yeah, we're going to look at the cocaine <laughs> era. So 1989, um, for those of you who are tuning in to here, you've probably also listened to John Boyce at some point because <laughs> that's what we do. And... So anyway, we wanted to take a look at some of the numbers for the 1999 or 1989 NL MVP voting. Lonnie Smith was one of the all-time leaders in wins above replacement this year. Um, he had a great offensive year for himself. I think the only time he'd hit double-digit home runs in which he hit 21, which for a leadoff guy is a pretty good number yeah for a guy that's known for like stealing bases 21 home runs isn't too bad mm-hmm. especially like i said no other year did he hit more than like 11 yeah um he had 25 stolen bases which is good yep. but where you literally look at the numbers and it really starts to come together is that he had an on-base percentage above 400 which led the uh national league and an ops of 948 and he had like his for a leadoff guy and his wins above replacement uh, on defense, his door was about like two, two and a half. 
which is really good for an off- for a defensive player. That's, yeah, no, that's, I, that's that's in the Andrew Jones threshold of offensive I, door or outfield door. I I was gonna ask you. Um, side note, I mm-hmm. guess I could ask you off air, but we're already on air. Yeah. What? Is what, my favorite color? No, not what's your favorite color. What is a it's good purple. war? Because I kind of know what a good war, like a typical war, is, but I don't like. I see some low numbers for door where it's like one point one or you know plus point oh eight. You know, um, or plus well, point it's, eight. it's definitely, is it subjective all kind to of the position a little bit, but they're all pretty close. Like the ones that I think are really notable where it's subjective by position is if you have a positive door at first base of any kind, like a point one, that's really, really good. Almost every player is a defensive liability uh, at plays at first base. The only exception I can think of that is, and I think this was partly because he also played in the outfield very well, and that was Darren Erstad for a few years was the first baseman for the Angels, right. and his door was like 1.8, which is really, really good. Un- almost unheard of for a, uh, a first base. Really, it's unheard of for a first baseman. Um Usually when I start to look at Dwar and be like, okay, you need this guy for defense, it's going to be a guy with a Dwar above um, two, uh, at two or above. If you've got two defensive wins above replacement, that's what's like, okay. So every once in a while, especially with shortstops, shortstops have historically, like when you grew up, the kid with the best glove on the team was put shortstop. at shortstop. And or that the fastest was, kid was put at, I mean, like... Usually a center fielder. But, yeah, I mean, like, depends. usually the kid with the nicest glove was always the one at shortstop. Yep. And so, historically, like, if you look at the most wins above replacement in baseball history, um, like, in the top ten, like, eight of them are shortstops. Well, yeah. And so, generally your best every once fielder in a while, is your... Mm-hmm, and so, you'll look at these shortstop. numbers, and a lot of these guys are going to be... Um, They'll have like three wins as like above replacement in a season. Um, like I know Ozzy Smith would like every single year he had like three, four defensive wins above replacement. The one exception within that top ten that I can think of immediately, and he's way up there too, is the reason I have insomnia, and that is Brooks uh, Robinson. Oh, okay. Brooks Robinson's defensive wins above replacement at third base is just so remarkable that I can't go to sleep now because I just can't wrap my head around how well he played on defense. He had, like, there'd be, I think there was a season that he had a defensive wins above replacement of, like, five. Jeez. And if you look at his, his playing style, it makes a lot of sense. Like, he positioned himself. He was, he was called the human vacuum. He was a baseball superstar. And I, I get... Yeah, baseball was like a much more popular sport in the 70s. A lot more people knew certain players. But he was still a baseball, like a, you know, a household name, a baseball superstar, solely for defense at third base. There's a couple seasons where he'd do okay on offense. Like one year he won MVP. But that year he won MVP, he batted like 280 with 24 home runs. Like that's not... With the exception, if it wasn't for his defense, that would not be. That would not be defensive numbers. Let me look this up. Are you looking at his numbers up right now? Or yeah, I yeah. Look up. Year he won MVP. You have to go to advanced stats and. Okay, year he won MVP. He's actually very 
I mean, it was pretty good with uh, 317, 28 home runs. Um, but that was really a statistical anomaly. Like, he finished um, he finished second in the MVP voting, batting 269 with 20 home runs. You, you don't finish second with those kinds of numbers unless you're just an absolute monster on defense. Am I just the worst at finding Dwar? Cause I, I so, yeah, what you want to do is you want to scroll down to player value batting, which I don't know why it's batting, but it is. And so he had 39.1 defensive wins above replacement for his career. Two seasons he finished above four, which, like I said, for a third baseman is remarkable. If I see a guy with, like, one and a half or more at oh. third base, I'm like, okay, Six that's point, good. 6.4 in 1964. <laughs> and he won the MVP. Yeah, six point. Well, that was offensive wins. Is what you're looking at? Oh, did I click the wrong? That was that's oh. six point four. He still had two point two that that's season still, though. That's stu- that two point two was like bad for him, and that's still. He was a monster. He was an absolute monster. He was called thirty five thousand like dollars a year. No one had to stay out of the war. No one is With ever. With his war. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining us today. Uh, no, but you look. Like I said, no one is a defensive or no one's a baseball superstar. No one's a household name third base. for their dif- for being a defensive third baseman, <laughs> unless you're as good as Brooks Robinson. Like I said, unless you're Darren Erstad. What said? So unless you're Darren Erstad. Darren Erstad is so many kids in the Los Angeles area, uh, area were named Darren between the years of 1999 and 2003. No, I don't know. I just made that up. But it'd be cool if it was true. But yeah, so one time that, you know, I, I can't get stop talking about Brooks Robinson. Like I just like I said, I can't stop thinking about how good he was on defense. It, it already has. I I don't even know what my name is right now. He didn't even make a million dollars in his lifetime. I feel bad for him. Uh, probably until he got like all that sponsorship money in the uh, Oh, that's now. true. Yeah. And all the first pitches he's thrown at uh, for the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles, he's probably gotten a million dollars in that. So, oh, yeah. wow. Oh, where were you in the two thousand? Were you talking about two thousand? I mean, we're getting pretty close. Yeah. So but. Jeff Kent shouldn't have won. <laughs> Lonnie Smith. I looked at the numbers. There was someone with an OPS above one, which in the eighties was impossible. So maybe he shouldn't have, but also. Great all-around year for Lonnie Smith. Lonnie, we salute you. One of my absolute favorite players. I'm starting it early just because I want to give a little extra. All I can say is uh, if I had a Todd all-time Helton, baseball Todd team. Todd Helton probably should have won. Well, 2000? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it would have been between Todd Helton and Barry Bonds probably. Yeah, I would have gone with Todd Helton because he led in more other statistics. OPS. Yeah. If you take Home away... Runs were close. What I lead up, we need to do is we need to take away... We need to do... Barry Bondsless OPS in which we take out all the uh, intentional bases on balls and see who really led that year. Well, yeah, because that only that includes his uh, first on-base percentage, but it doesn't include. Uh, all right, would negative would it negatively affect his OPS? Do you think? Like, would it hurt it a lot? Do you think? Bonds? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because you look at like he was walked 120 times intentionally in like 2004. Like, we'll figure it he out. He was just an automatic free pass to first base for the t- uh, the Giants. Jake, 16 seconds. All right, got a shout-out to Rolly, got a shout-out to Potro, shout-out to Mustache Man, shout-out to Whirly, shout-out to Sideshow, shout-out to, to all the mommies that are keeping it high and tight. And 
Uh, I got to shout out to my dad as well. So. All right. Thanks for listening. It's been Chasing History. We'll catch you guys next Friday. Yes,